Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm your host, Pete Mazzetti, sitting here with Howie Fields from the Nathan Fields Memorial Foundation. Howie, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well, Pete. How are you doing today? Good, thanks. Good, thanks for coming down tonight. And we're going to talk about the foundation over the next half hour. But from what I understand, we have a panel tonight. So with through Zoom tonight, we're going to bring in your daughter, Christiana, and your wife, Marie. Guys, welcome. How are you? Hi. Hi. How Hey, how's it going? Good, thank you. Good, good, good. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Thanks for, thanks for, for coming down and thank, thank hanging, you. Out, hanging out with us tonight. So I want to get the topic started about, tell us a little bit about the foundation and how everything got started. So I'd like, I'd like to go first with just um, sure, go ahead, Mark. what our mission statement is. Sure. Um, the mission of the Nathaniel B. Field Memorial Foundation is to prevent suicide through public awareness and education, okay. to reduce the stigma of mental illness, and to provide hope and support. Yeah, so the way the foundation was started was um, it started in, uh, on April 12th, uh, 2015. Our six-year-old son, Nathan, uh, took his life. Uh, we were totally shocked by, uh, by him doing that. Uh, we had no idea that he was suffering from a mental illness. Okay. Uh, he was like a normal, you know, uh, junior in high school. You know, he played sports. He, uh, he had friends. He was active in clubs. He, did, he excelled academically. Um, he was looking forward to going to the prom, getting his driver's license, and uh, we were just getting ready to tour some colleges in, um, uh, in the spring break. Okay. So, so uh, around September that year, uh, Marie and I, after we had uh, uh, recovered from our, from our loss, right. we thought that uh, we'd like to start a foundation in his memory to, uh, for a number of reasons. One is to, to obviously... Uh, um, remember him, but also to help other folks with uh, mental illnesses and also to help uh, other families hopefully avoid uh, the agony that we went through when we lost our son. Christiane, do you have anything you'd like to add about your brother? Yeah, so uh, Nathan, he, like Dad just said, he was so, so smart. Um, while he was definitely pretty serious at times, he was also a really goofy kid and had a really special sense of humor um, that sometimes kind of appeared out of nowhere. Um, some of my favorite memories that we had together um, really occurred during the summers when we used to play outside together, like playing pirates or sharks and minnows in the pool. Um, and I, I really do have great memories with Nathan. I miss him very much. And Marie, how about you? Yep, Nathan, um, I have lots of good memories of him. He loved to play badminton. He would love to go fishing with his dad. He was a very avid reader. As a kid, he loved to take apart things and create and build things. Um, he was always curious about the stars and the universe. Um, he had a good, nice sense of adventure, um, but he also had this quiet confidence about himself. He, um, you know, was, you know, we, refer to him as a gentle giant because he was six, three, six feet tall, three inches, and he was still growing. Wow. Um, but one could see that, yeah, we were surprised at how tall he was becoming. But, you know, one could always see that he was always thinking. His wheels were always turning while he was kind of taking things in. Um, he often had a slight grin on his face, almost as if he knew something that we didn't know. Um, but again, as Howie said, uh, we suspect now that he 
you know, was um, suffering from an undiagnosed mental illness. And, you know, he hid, the, hid that from us, from his classmates, from his teachers, from his coaches, um, and from his friends. And it really shocked the community. Howie, you have a favorite memory? Uh, yes, uh, yeah. when he was uh, entering his freshman year in high school, uh, Nathan and I uh, took a west, uh, trip out west to uh, Las Vegas, hey. and then we uh, lived in a car for a week. We cruised around, went to the uh, Mojave Desert, oh, cool. visited, uh, actually we went to Nellis Air Force Base and uh, we got a private showing of the uh, Thunderbirds, and um, we drove out to New Mexico and Arizona. So we had a really good, uh, good week together hanging out. Cool. Yep. Even let him drive for a while. There you go. Even though I don't know if his mom knows that. But ah, that's okay. Words out now. That's that. that that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> From what I understand, you guys are actually also involved at, with the HK Holiday Show this year. Yes, we are. Tell us about that. Y yeah. So every year the. Uh, uh, high school has a, uh, a telethon and they select a uh, nonprofit group to uh, be a recipient of the, of the donations. And this year we were lucky enough to be uh, selected as the recipient. And what does that mean to you guys? Well, it means a lot to us. One, it, it, uh, we value the recognition that we got from the, uh, the, the students and the staff at uh, Adam Killingworth High School. Absolutely. Also, um, it, this has been a very difficult year, as as all nonprofits could probably uh, oh, yeah. chime in for um, um, having um, uh, donations. Mm -hmm. So for us, this is a, a very meaningful event because the money that we're that's uh, we're uh, that's donated to us, we're going to use in our local community for uh, you know further activities that we've uh, pursued in the past. Oh, nice, Marie. What's it, what's it mean to you guys for for yourself to be involved with the HK Holiday Show this year? I'm, I'm honored that they selected us. Um, I'm also grateful that it's gonna be, you know, a number of hours of talking about mental illness and suicide prevention. So I, I'm grateful to have that, that we're able to have that platform because I know that it can potentially reach a lot of viewers. Um, so, and this year of all years, especially, it's gonna be really good to get our message across. Christiana, what do you think about being involved with the HK Holiday Show this year? Yeah, thanks for asking. So as a former student um, of HK, this definitely um, has a lot of meaning for me because I grew up uh, watching this show every oh, yeah. year. It was always a really special day at school, um, a time for celebration, um, and also being able to see really amazing performances. I think that was always my favorite part, the oh, chorus, band, and different individuals. Um, different students would always do such a wonderful job uh, performing for everyone. And, and everyone came together for the holiday show, um, especially the HKTV crew to put on just a really special day. Um, and those are actually, those holiday show days are some of my fondest memories um, from high school. There was always just such a great atmosphere um, on that day. It was right before winter break. Um, so it really, um, I, again, so honored, just like my mom said that we were chosen um, to be on the show this year. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, we're gonna, next question I wanna talk about is what does everybody think that talking about Prevention of mental illness is taboo. 
Yes, yeah, so Howie? so I can answer that question. Sure, go ahead. So uh, I would say the answer is yes. Okay. And, uh, and especially talking about suicide, uh, right. that's also a taboo topic. Right. I think we're seeing now uh, more and more, uh, you know, it's it's publicized more and more yeah. that uh, mental illness is prevalent throughout our uh, our society. You know, folks uh, from all walks of life do mm -hmm. suffer. Uh, in, in our country, one out of every five people actually suffers a, a, some uh, type of mental illness, which, you know, it's just surprising to hear that. Right. So, so, and we also think that um, maybe there's more, so people are reluctant to talk about it because, uh, you know, it, uh, it's viewed as a flaw when you're mentally ill. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not viewed as like a physical ailment, like if you were injured or uh, had some kind of uh, uh, other uh, medical illness. So I think it's good that we're, you know, that we're talking about here today. Yeah. And, you know, our group and other, our foundation and other foundations and other uh, organizations are uh, more and more bringing it to the forefront uh, to, to uh, reduce the stigma of uh, mental illness. Exactly. Maria, do you have anything you'd like to add? Just to add to that, you know, as Howie said, we really need to view mental illness as a physical illness because it is, it's, you know, it's affecting our brain, which is a physical part of our body. Um, and we need to just try to change that mindset around, right. make it less of a taboo. Absolutely. Christiana, would you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I think uh, they both brought up good points. Um, I'm currently in my first year um, of a clinical psychology PhD program here at UConn. And okay. um, in my classes, um, these facts are, are uh, just have been reiterated as well as we're learning about these different mental um, disorders um, and how they affect the, the entire body, especially the brain. Um, and there really is, um, uh, it really should be treated as a medical illness. and. Um, not only um, to reduce stigma, but also um, because of the services that are involved and able to help people find treatment and find the help that they need. Okay. Now, what do we think about the current situation? Yeah, yeah so, so oh, oh, go ahead, Christiana. Um, well, if we're kind of talking about right now, um, with everything going on with the COVID-19 pandemic, right. um, recent research that's come out has actually shown that the pandemic has been associated with increases in mental health challenges. Right. Um, and these difficulties are in part attributed, of course, to the mortality caused by the disease, but also to the mitigation activities that are necessary. So those include like physical distancing and stay at home orders. Mm -hmm. uh, and the CDC has released data showing that symptoms of anxiety and depression um, have increased considerably some between the period of April and June, when that's specifically when they were looking at compared to that time in 2019. Um, and we know that um, while this, of course, is affecting people of all ages, mm -hmm. it is disproportionately affecting our young population, so young adults in particular. Um, people are feeling more isolated, anxious, depressed, and many are also grieving loss of loved ones as well. I and mean, I think one thing that's important to keep in mind is because of increased um, social or physical distancing, um, or in, really, despite of that, we still can maintain social connections and care for our mental health. Um, so keeping those things in mind, like staying connected with friends and family um, through technology, whether it's a phone call or a video chat, can help us feel connected and less lonely or isolated. Absolutely. Marie, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, you know, I just kind of wanted to add a few um, statistics. Sure. Now too, um, you know, basically in general, suicide is uh, epidemic in our country. Right. Back in uh, 2018, the CDC um, said that it was the second leading cause of death for young people ages 10 to 34 nationwide. And it's the same here in Connecticut. It's the second leading cause of death for that age group. Um, you know, basically that comes down to somebody dying of suicide every 21 hours in our state and across the country every 11.2 seconds. So it really truly is an issue that needs to be addressed. And Howie, what do you, do you have anything you'd like to add? No, I think uh, Marie and Christiana covered pretty much anything I would say. Okay. Would you guys mind sticking around for another segment? Sure. All right. Absolutely. All right, we'll be right back. than any other family. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. Sitting here with Howie Field from the Nathan Field Foundation. Howie, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Thank Pete. you. And panel of experts, welcome back as well. Thank you. Thank you. So guys, what do we, let's see, what do we want to talk, let's open up this segment of as far as what's the biggest myth surrounding suicide prevention? I can take this one. Sure. It, in my opinion, the biggest myth about suicide is that if you're concerned about someone and you ask them if they're suicidal, this can put the idea in their head. Right. And in fact, the truth is it can have the exact opposite effect. Um, if you suspect someone may be at risk of suicide, it's important to directly ask the question about suicidal thoughts and don't avoid using the word suicide. It's important to be direct um, and, you know, but ask, asking the question in a non-judgmental way and without any dread in your voice, because if you appear confident right. that could, and caring, that could really um, be a re reassuring for a suicidal person. Exactly. Christiane, you have anything you'd like to add? Um, I think that pretty much covered it. Um, but uh, like mom just said, uh, feeling confident that you're able to approach that person. Um, and if, if you are hesitant about it, mm -hmm. to, uh, to know that it is okay to reach out to someone close to them as well. Um, if you're really concerned about that person, I think that we have this tendency to think that this person might get mad at us. Um, and while that may be the case in the short term, mm -hmm. um, thinking about like the long-term benefits of, of 
raising those issues with them or with uh, someone that they may care about um, really has important implications and, and they'll come to appreciate that in the long term. Okay, Howie? Yeah, just to uh, follow up on that, uh, it's really important to um, <clears throat> talk with talk with anybody uh, if you think they're, they're struggling because they can tell that you're offering support because a lot of times uh, folks that are suffering from mental illness, they feel isolated and alone right. and, and, and often uh, depressed. And the, the, they need our support. They need us to reach out to them and they need us to have the dialogue with them to help them. Absolutely, absolutely. And now what has the foundation done to bring What's the foundation done to bring about mental health? Yeah, so I can answer that. So, sure. So um, we, we have uh, in uh, the Hadam and Kilworth community, sure. we have uh, sponsored uh, an actor, John Morello, performer, come to the middle school and high school, and uh, he interacts with the uh, student audience and the staff, uh, and he has uh, uh, several different skits where he covers a variety of uh, uh, topics that impact uh, the school community like diversity, mental health, uh, drug use, alcohol abuse, uh, inclusion, and bullying. And so wow. we've, brought, we've brought him uh, to the community, not only just to HK and uh, uh, HK, but also to Deep River. We, we've also brought him to uh, Durham. Um, and we're hoping that in the near future, we're, uh, we've just sponsored, uh, helped sp uh, sponsor John with other groups, uh, the Brian Daigle Foundation. Sure. And, to other groups to uh, uh, help John uh, publish a, uh, his uh, graphic novel. It's called Dirt. So it's it's a uh, it's a book form of his uh, live presentation. Uh, obviously, because of the, the COVID pandemic, right. he's not able to uh, go to audiences, to schools, no. or anywhere for that matter, right. and give his presentation. So we're helping. John reached out to us and asked if we could help him publish his, his uh, book. And what he's going to do with that is he's going to uh, be able to um, present the same material to his audience uh, remotely. So that's one thing we've done. The other thing is that we've done is uh, we uh, teamed up with the Changing Mind Advocacy Group in Kellenworth, and we brought we brought uh, mental health first aid uh, course to uh, uh, to Kellenworth in uh, I think it was I'm gonna say like December last year, January last year, okay. and we. Uh, so we help we help the uh, we help the group with that, so that that helps the community. Uh, we've also participated in, in several uh, American uh, Foundation for Suicide Prevention walks. We've done that, and we've also uh, kind of slightly different than than reaching out to community. We've also uh, presented twenty one thousand uh, uh, dollars scholarships to the HK uh, uh, graduates. Oh, cool! Yeah, for uh, majoring in science technology. Um, engineering or mathematics or medical field and uh, and that really is th for two reasons one right. is obviously to uh, honor our son's memory right. but also because uh, Marie and I and, and Christiane as well uh, were uh, big advocates of uh, uh, of encouraging uh, uh, education right. and so it's, it's our opportunity to help our, our uh, students pursue uh, you know um, college career yep right and now let's talk about the aspect of continuing all the all the good work that you guys do because you guys sound like I just learned about your organization because of the HK holiday show but you mentioned that you guys were involved with the Brandangle Foundation yes and actually I'm I coach 
lacrosse for oh, yeah. Morgan out of Clinton, yeah. and they every year, every year they do a yeah. jamboree, and the Dangle Foundation shows up, and there's a, there's actually a picture of about nine different lacrosse teams with their yellow Brian Dangle Foundation T-shirts on and on the lacrosse field, and they're just a wonderful organization. Yes, and so just to follow up on yeah. that. Yeah. So when uh, so when uh, Nathan died, mm -hmm. uh, you know we we sought out a group where we could uh, help our recovery. Right. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. And we were lucky enough to have to find the Brian Daigle Foundation, mm -hmm. and uh, Ann and Paul Daigle. Uh, helped us immensely recover from Nathan's death. But it's not just us, it's they help hundreds and thousands of people in our community. Oh, absolutely. Uh, with a variety of, of um, outreach programs. Uh, um, I, I just can't thank them enough for yeah. the work they've done in our community. And the LAX yep. uh, stuff they sponsor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, their son was a lacrosse player, Brian. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the foundation was named after their son. He, yes. he died by suicide as well. And uh, so, so um, yeah, it's, it, as strange as this may sound, we, we've been fortunate. We've met some, through unfortunate circumstances, we've met some great people that are working very hard to help all our communities out. Absolutely. Now, what is the foundation currently working on and what do they plan on accomplishing this year? So, Pete. Yes. I can take that one, but I would like to add a little to the last question. Um, sure. Speaking of the Brian Daigle um, Center for Hope and Healing. Yeah. We've also donated a lot of books to their lending library, and it's good for people to know that there's books on grief and loss for all ages, children's books, some, some books for teens and, and then for older adults. Um, and then we've also donated um, money for the last three years to Volunteers in Psychotherapy, which basically it's a nonprofit organization that can give free or low cost um, psych therapy okay. to um, people who need it um, in exchange, and it, it's very confidential. It's off the medical, you know, insurance records. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's in, in exchange for volunteer service hours um, in the their choice, the client's choice of a nonprofit organization. So very nice. Um, and then, Howie, you were going to just mention what you've done at Pratt and Whitney, and um, and then we've done a variety of different mental health fairs in the community too, and hopefully, we'll continue to pursue those. Absolutely, absolutely. And Howie, what do you what do you think? What are you thinking? Well, uh, to follow what Marie said, uh, I did several. They're called Pratt Chats. Okay. When, when I was before I retired from Pratt Whitney. Oh, okay. And so uh, that's where um, we discussed we discussed what uh, our organization was doing mm -hmm. um, in the community, and it, it was uh, it was broadcast to uh, all the employees at uh, Pratt Whitney. So it was like thirty thousand employees. Oh, cool! And so that was very positive because I got a lot of uh, uh, confidential feedback from people that asked me for help and uh, um, asked for guidance. So I, I, you know, I was able to help my uh, coworkers right. out, and then also. Uh, our foundation participated in several health fairs at uh, Pratt Whitney. And to follow what Marie just said, yeah. we also uh, worked with the Clinton uh, Health Health Expo uh, uh, last year at the library. Yep. Um, you know, obviously the pandemic kind of derailed our plans for this year. Yeah. But, 
uh, we're in the process of regrouping and hoping at some point that we, we're going to pick up where we left off Absolutely. with the uh, health fairs. Absolutely. Now, if someone is concerned about a family member or a friend, what are some things that they can do? You know, if, if you or someone else you know is struggling, mm -hmm. the first thing you need to know is that you're not alone. Right. Um, the second thing you need to know is that there are many support services and treatment options that can help you. Right. Um, if you're concerned about a family member or someone else, my best advice is to talk directly to them, listen to them carefully in a non-judgmental way. Right. Um, offer to help them by connecting them with it could be a school counselor it could be perhaps a, a coach that they trust or a teacher that they trust um a support group a crisis line or a website resource there's a lot of resources on the web now but if you're comfortable doing this um then sharing your concern like christiana said with someone that you trust that you feel that would be able to support the person you're worried about and if you yourself are the one struggling, but afraid to talk about it, there's a number of resources you can turn to. Um, so if I may, Pete, I'd like to just take a couple minutes to mention a few of them. Sure. Feel like you're in crisis, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Okay. It's a lifeline, of a phone call um, that you can call. It's available 24 hours a day. There's trained counselors that will answer um, they'll talk to you, talk you through, you know, what's going on and give you resources and, um, to follow up with. Um, if people don't feel comfortable making the phone call and they prefer texting, um, the crisis line has a text number 741741 okay. and again, they'll be texting with a trained counselor. Um, so that's one nationwide resource. I'll also, tell you what, Marie, give me about one more because we've got about 20 seconds before we say goodnight. Okay, National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI. They have various local chapters around Connecticut um, and they offer you know, resources on mental disorders and support groups. Okay. Before we say goodnight, I want to thank you guys for coming down tonight and hopefully we'll have a, another discussion with you guys again soon. That'd be great. That'd be great. Pete, Chris, thanks for help, having us here. No problem. Christiana, thanks for coming down. Marie, thanks yeah. for coming down. Howie, thanks for coming down. We'll see you guys again soon. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. On I, behalf of Howie and the panel, I'm Pete Musetti. Thanks. Good night, and we'll see you next time.